Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. But you also had people that were very fine people. Very fine people on both sides. And the, and the aliens would mind meld and give them the technology. They're bad aliens. So the, uh, Are you surprised the Nazis were influenced by demons? No, if demons are real, I would definitely think they'd be on the side of the Nazis. Yeah. McDonald's is connected to the Clintons. They chop up the bodies and put them into the sausage and hamburgers. People are being cannibalized. Look it up. And I'm watching CNN talk about this as violent white nationalist protests. We have done everything in our power to keep this peaceful, you know? It's uh, Pepe's become kind of a symbol. Good afternoon. You're listening to Yeah Na Pasaran, a show about fascism and its gravediggers. I'm Cam Smith, and this week I am joined by Benjamin Fogel, who is doing a PhD in history at NYU, and he's a contributing editor at Jacobin. Thanks for joining us, Ben. Thanks for having me. So, Ben, one of your areas of expertise is Brazil, and specifically uh, anti-corruption politics. Uh, what role does corruption play in Brazilian politics? Well, it's twofold. I mean, corruption is sort of institutionalized as part of the political system in Brazil, whether legal or illegal, um, influence trading and uh, rent seeking are basically uh, essential part of coalition governance in Brazil. Uh, Brazil has a weak presidential system, which means that a weak party system, which means a president has to couple together a coalition in the Congress in order to govern. And that involves normally making coalitions with one of the many small parties that are sort of institutionalized in Brazil that have misleading names and don't really have any ideology beyond setting their support to the highest bidder. So you have to buy off these parties in order to pass policy in Congress. And this sort of corruption and uh, red-seeking and infiltrating is now basically how the political system functions. Furthermore, corruption has been around in Brazilian politics since forever. All of the different institutions, institutions from the military to the judiciary often pursue uh, personalized private agendas with uh, state power, public power. Uh, furthermore, while uh, there is a level of corruption, one could say is systemic in Brazil, there's also an issue that all of Brazil's problems over the last decade or so have often been articulated as because of corruption. And corruption stands in for many other grievances for Brazilians, including ones that have nothing to do with actual corruption. And because of this, much of the political debate in Brazil tends to take place through the language of corruption and anti-corruption. It makes me uh, grateful for the Australian political system, where at least the tiny political parties being pandered to have some weird niche issue that they care about. In this case, uh, the niche issue is often getting enough money just to fund your patronage system in your uh, local rural area. COVID-19 has obviously hit Brazil hard. It's uh, been one of the worst hit places in the world. Why is that? Well, there's a combination of factors. In one level, Brazil had was at risk given the um, cramped living conditions, inequality, and uh, population density which exists in parts of the country. At another level, Brazil was actually pretty well prepared historically for uh, pandemics and public health responses. It has a st- one of the biggest state healthcare systems in the world. It's known for its uh, vaccination campaigns. It has some of the top public health su- experts in the world who are experts in planning pand- pandemic response. It has a history of responding to things. But that 
wasn't great, was sabotaged from the beginning. I mean, if you really want to understand what is happening in Brazil, it is a result of a uh, political strategy pursued by Jair Bolsonaro's extreme right government to intensify the public health crisis for political gain. Now, there's a number of explanations for this. Um, one involves Bolsonaro naturally being a conspiratorialist and following Trump or naturally being suspicious of this. There's another that involves the intensification of the crisis was good for emergency contra- contracts, which was uh, had a tendency to be exorbitant and used for people to make a lot of money out of. There's another one that uh, Bolsonaro really was convinced at the beginning of the pandemic to pursue a herd immunity strategy by encouraging the deliberate infection of Brazilians in order to reach some level of herd immunity, which didn't work out. And that's connected to extreme right views, rent seeking, and also, uh, you know, a lack of regard for the lives of other Brazilians. Whatever the case, the government has consistently sabotaged all public health efforts from uh, isolation, social isolation measures to even medication at uh, hospitals to treat COVID patients uh, promoting agglomerations and mass gatherings and attacking mask wearing, and perhaps most devastatingly, being deliberately slow and obtuse with uh, vaccine purchases. It was the case that Brazil's vaccination campaign began in spite of Bolsonaro and the national government, rather than because of national government investment being led by the state government of Sao Paulo. I was wondering, could you tell us about Olavo de Carvalho? And does he have... Oh, Olavo de Carvalho. Does he have much of an influence on the way that uh, Bolsonaro has handled these things? Well, it's hard to know exactly, but Olavo de Carvalho, for those who don't know, is a former astrologer, a sort of crackpot journalist, and a sort of uh, self-styled philosopher who most recently was living in Virginia. He rose to prominence as sort of a right-wing polemicist and journalist who attacked the left, attacked modernity, and pursued a sort of conspiratorialist, conspiratorialist medievalist Catholic sort of understanding the world and he's a he then he starts teaching philosophy courses online his real innovation was through youtube and online philosophy classes to reach millions of brazilians uh, spreading a far-right conspiratorialist attack not only on the workers party and the left but the entire centrist right and brazilian establishment as all communists and agents of satan and uh, really articulating attack on modernity as a whole uh, very focused on homophobia attacking minorities, uh, attacking um, black Brazilians, and a really conspiratorial view. Olavo definitely promoted a conspiratorial approach to COVID. He uh, attacked isolation measures as a communist conspiracy. But even if he had influence with Bolsonaro and Bolsonaro's sons, I don't think his exp- his role was an explanation, even if his uh, philosophies tend to reflect this. Olavo also has a tendency of attacking the Brazilian military, which uh, sort of undermines Bolsonaro. So there has been a little bit of distance because uh, because of this. And another fact, after you know attacking public healthcare and the SUS, the Brazilian National Healthcare Service, for years, you know attacking all these public health measures, and from his couch in Virginia, he recently went to. Brazil to have a health procedure because it was free there because of the national healthcare system. Uh, you mentioned Bolsonaro's sons. Uh, what's the story with them? Are they the, the Trump brothers of South America? I mean, they're even worse. I mean, so he has four sons. Uh, Jair Hanan Filho, uh, who is the youngest, is not in politics. He is a Twitch streamer and has been banned for uh, lies and uh, offensive content from these sort of gaming streaming sites before. Anyway, he's got Bolsonaro has three politician sons. You have the eldest 
aka Zero One, Flavio Bolsonaro, who is a senator uh, from Rio de Janeiro and who has been uh, notoriously uh, accused of receiving money from Rio's paramilitary mafias, known as militias, uh, for having them on as ghost employees on his payroll and having dodgy money laundering and pop- property uh, purchases in Rio. Uh, then you have Carlos, aka Zero Two, who's a viriador, a city councillor in Rio, and is also known for being the alleged mastermind of Bolsonaro's online troll army and disinformation campaigns, and is a very close, allegedly strategist to the president, and is pretty much utterly deranged. And then you have Zero Three, who's Eduardo, who was they wanted to put nominate as the ambassador to the United States. He's a congressman, also. Uh, I believe from Sao Paulo, actually. Uh, and uh, he's known for his Trump love, his love of logical value, and all things right-wing and American. I feel like I'm getting hung up on the wrong thing, but w- what does the Twitch streamer do on Twitch? I mean, so I think the last time he was uh, banned, I think he's back on, he said something like, don't go wear a mask, I'd rather die like a man fucking than, go, than hide like a coward. Is he playing um, games, though? <laughs> yeah, he's playing games, like, you know, League of Legends or something. I don't know. What <laughs> okay. That's, he's a gamer. He's a gamer. <laughs> that's besides the point. The, this troll army, like, how does that manifest itself? Well, they call it uh, the hate, the cabinet of hate, which is essentially there's an online of in- coordinated influencers uh, and fake journalists who have uh, disinformation websites along with a legion of bots who take part in coordinated harassment campaigns, particularly against journalists who speak out, normally women journalists against Bolsonaro or anyone who's really speaks out. They issue death threats, they spread lies, they dox, they are very coordinated in this, um, this, there's this troll army there. Then there's also a sophisticated fake news disinformation campaign, mostly through WhatsApp and Facebook uh, that spreads conspiracies and lies, uh, which played a significant role in the election, uh, from the gays teaching homosexuality in school to, you know, conspiracies about communism. It's a pretty dark and crazy place. It's, um, if you want to know more, uh, the journalist Patricia, Patricia Campos Gimelo for Folha de Sao Paulo, the uh, biggest newspaper in Brazil, the New York Times of Brazil, has written quite a bit about it. I think some of it's made its way in English, but uh, she was the first to, inf- to really write about this uh, disinformation network. Is it, this is sort of, in terms of the coordination, is it something that they're financing? Because I know that in at least uh, here, there are a lot of people willing to do that work for free. Um, there's definitely black money financing it. Uh, it's, I mean, I wouldn't be able to tell you exactly where it's coming from, possibly from organized crime sources. But there's definitely been uh, dodgy money behind it. I mean, uh, Kaisha Deutsch, which is the second account, uh, which is illegal campaign financing, is also connected to systemic corruption in Brazil. And sort of everyone indulges in uh, off-the-book campaign financing and raising vast amounts of money from all sorts of things. I mean, that's basically one of the things that uh, the Lava Jato anti-corruption investigation was uh, connected to. Uh, you recently wrote a piece for the Brazilian report about the way in which the United States culture wars are imported into Brazil. Could you tell us a little bit about uh, what gets imported and you know, the sort of mechanism that uh, is employed? Yeah, I mean, so I will say this is one of the features of Brazilian cultural tra- changes of the last 15, 20 years has been the increasing Americanization of Brazilian culture from the chain restaurants important to the country, Outback Steakhouse, an Australian-themed restaurant, I don't believe it's actually Australian, is extremely popular in Brazil among the middle classes, for example. You know, the shopping mall culture, American music, American 
debate. And as America sort of replaced, the United States of America replaces Europe as a sort of intellectual influence for uh, Brazilians, intellectuals, intelligentsia, people of professional classes, as um, it has more money for higher education and other cultural products than France or Portugal or Spain. There's been an increased adoption of the idea that the closest to, uh, the closer you are to America, the higher sort of civilizational status or social status you have in Brazil. And uh, one of the markers of being a Brazilian middle class person, for instance, would be like going to Disney World uh, or learning English and, uh, you know, going to watch certain types of uh, music or certain types of consumption. So as Brazil under Lula uh, really pursued a more independent uh, foreign policy and sort of took a more, uh, you know, independent cultural articulation or something, a lot of Brazilians responded this was an attack on civilization and drifted towards anything that was sort of anti-American was uh, sort of this attack on civilization. So there was a sort of interpretation of Brazilian uh, politics through the influences of the American cultural right. Everything from, uh, you know, like the various cultural wars in the United States about, you know, gender ideology in the classrooms, you know, uh, even everything up to the January 6th insurrection, QAnon, all of this stuff takes up as uh, Brazilians use this to sort of signify their cultural connections to the United States and make a claim that they're civilizationally superior to their countrymen because they're closer to a developed uh, non-Latin American nation. And so you have a real sort of Trumpian gun rights Americanization of Brazil's culture wars. On the left, there's also a tendency sometimes to look for the United States and everything from uh, Black Lives Matter to other cult- cultural movements or campaigns in the United States and try to articulate the resistance to this red statization of Brazil through that lens. And uh, it tends to produce the sort of political effects that these, I mean, if you want to understand right now is that uh, Bolsonaro is still insisting that the January 6th events in Washington, D.C., whatever they were, was a product of uh, the legitimate claim that the election was stolen. And he said that to Biden's delegation in the United, in Brazil this week, for instance. In terms of geopolitics, is Bolsonaro affected at all by the fall of Trump? He is, severely. I mean, uh, he's antagonizing openly Biden by claiming his electoral victory is not legitimate. But like, even if they didn't get that much from Trump, uh, he's lost an ally in the White House. Now he faces a president who's at least trying to signal that he will crack down on Brazil uh, to pursue environmental uh, protection policies or other such attempts to uh, uh, run into conflict with the Bolsonaro agenda. So he's definitely weakened. But Bolsonaro, I mean, foreign policy-wise, it makes no sense from a sort of real politic instance because he's antagonizing the world's superpower as well as Brazil's biggest trading partner, which is China, on a fairly consistent basis. So uh, he's alone and lonely. He's even lost his other friend, uh, Bibi Netanyahu. I don't know what his new relationship with Israel's uh, new prime minister is, but that was his other close mate. I think Orban is his other mate. But, I mean, he's very, very isolated. I think part of the thing you have to understand is the Brazilian right and Bolsonaro's version of it in particular seem to thrive on its pariah status as a way of sort of, uh, you know, we are being attacked by the globalists to rile up uh, its base. Bolsonaro has recently signalled that he, like Trump, might reject the uh, an upcoming election result in 2022. Do you think that that is something that he might try and follow through on? 
Well, he's certainly threatening on a weekly basis. I mean, for some background, his main gripe is that electronic voting is corrupt and will lead to a fraudulent election, even though there's obviously no evidence for that. The problem is, and this is where, I mean, I can't play soothsay or predictor, and I'm not ruling it out, and I'm not saying it's likely going to happen either, but the military are very much behind Bolsonaro. I think over 6,000 active personnel uh, are serving in the Bolsonaro government, including more cabinet ministers from the military than uh, during the high Brazil's military dictatorship. So they have signaled at various times in, and then distanced themselves from the statements that they might be willing to follow Bolsonaro, and he certainly enjoys their support, and there is a possibility that unlike whatever happened in the United States, certainly didn't seem like they had the support from like senior generals, which you really need for a coup. In Brazil, with its history of military coups, uh, I wouldn't bet on it being not being the case. And, uh, well, I can't predict... There is, especially as it seems that Lula and the Workers' Party would be headed to a first-round victory if the election was held tomorrow, and Bolsonaro's polling continues to be quite poor, even though it might change because it's a long time until October next year, that th- his desperation is reflected in this constant uh, coup-mongering and saber-rattling and attacks on the Brazil's Congress and its Supreme Court, whose ministers he's directly insulting and attacking right now. What role do evangelical Christians play in Brazilian politics? Well, there's two aspects to this. One is that Brazil has got one of the world's largest evangelical populations. Uh, it's about over 30%, and it's the fastest growing religion in the area. And where the Catholic Church was dominant, or even the left or trade unions played a cultural influence uh, or role in social stability and leadership in uh, Brazil's marginalized communities, evangelicals have increasingly taken up this place. So, a vast array of Brazilians, including many poor Brazilians, are evangelical. So at one level, there's a big evangelical population, but of course, evangelicals, like everyone, are not uniform. They don't vote, necessarily vote uh, like cultists or have, and have a range of politics. But And then you have Brazil's sort of organized evangelical caucus, which is perhaps the biggest in Congress, I believe, and includes a very billion-dollar churches, who own the second biggest uh, media company in Brazil, very popular um, preachers with political influence and media networks who have uh, been bought off to extent and are part of the Bolsonaro uh, coalition, particularly supporting his cultural reactionary politics. And they mobilized crucially to bring the majority of the evangelical vote to Bolsonaro, which played a significant role in his victory in 2018. While they've signaled recently that they may be willing to consider alternatives, including supporting Lula, which they have done in the past. Uh, Bolsonaro has responded by trying to nominate a evangelical Supreme Court judge and uh, trying to keep them in the coalition. Now, they also play a significant role in driving many of these sort of reactionary cultural campaigns in Brazil. There's currently a Senate inquiry taking place into Brazil's response to COVID. Can you tell us what's happening with that and what impact it's likely to have on Bolsonaro? Well, there is a, uh, what they call parliamentary congressional investigation, you know, congressional, uh, investigation into Bolsonaro's handling of the pandemic. It's being led by opposition figures to Bolsonaro and has been key in exposing a number of daily headlines, almost, about scandal and corruption misdeeds from Bolsonaro deliberately ignoring offers, including half-priced offers to buy Pfizer vaccines as early as August last year, uh, and, the only vaccine purchases they seem to have actually taken an interest in pursuing were ones where they were asking for a dollar kickback per dose or other forms of, uh, you know, grift. You have also the delusional, uh, and corrupt and dastardly promotion of a the COVID kit or the preemptive cures to COVID, which includes unproven med- medicine like 
chloroquine and that Gotup, whose name I can never remember, as and mil- millions of Brazilians have taken this kit and it's potentially risked your, ho- your health and got COVID uh, or just had taken it. And people with COVID have often come into hospital saying, but I took this kit. And now the military has produced excess uh, chloroquine doses, doses, which have now been sold apart this kit. So they bet very heavily on this uh, snake oil kit. But this investigation is bringing up constant corruption scandals, misdeeds, uh, cruelty, and idiocy has hurt Bolsonaro's approval ratings. For this, he has constantly attacked the in- the inquiry as well as the Supreme Court judges who enabled it. So it's been played a significant role, I think, in uh, destroying much of his public image as well as putting political pressure on him. Now, the thing is, is, Brazil- is Bolsonaro's allies control the Brazilian Congress uh, still and his ally, the Speaker of the Congress, can block uh, impeachment requests against him. I think he has something close to 150 uh, different impeachment requests sitting at the office of the Speaker against him at, as of uh, talking, and they are only being blocked because of his continued alliance with the right-wing bloc and the Speaker in uh, Congress. So was that 150 impeachment requests? Somewhere around there. You would have to check the exact number, but it's over 120, over 130 last time I checked. That's a pretty good effort. A fan favourite of uh, listeners to this show, of course, is Steve Bannon. Uh, what role does Bannon play in uh, Bolsonaro's circles? Well, um, I've always wondered of this, and I might have a different opinion to some, but, uh, you know, I feel like there ha- there is a proven connection and meanings between Eduardo Bolsonaro in particular and Bannon and some attempt to say that Bannon has influenced the Brazilian right and attempt to bring Bannon's ideas and networks to Brazil. Now, my view on Bannon is that he's a bit of a, a, a huckster and isn't nearly as influential and smart as he's made out to be. Uh, and I don't think he knows very much about Brazil. So I think, actually, it's kind of like a uh, inferiority complex for the Bolsonaristas and the Bolsonaro sons in particular that they have uh, attached themselves to Steve Bannon's uh, rep- reputation and image to show that their connections and sophistication rather than him having more influence than uh, being the mastermind behind Bolsonaro's rise. That's at least my interpretation of it, but others might disagree. Uh, You mentioned the disinformation networks earlier. There's also a fake news inquiry currently taking place. Uh, What are we finding out from that? Well, I mean, a lot of this is revealing the extent of this uh, cabinet of hate and disinformation network referred to earlier, and uh, Bolsonaro's attacked numerous judges again, Supreme Court judges, for enabling that inquiry, but it's also exposed the sort of criminal covert uh, conspiracy and network that Bolsonaro has relied on in power, as well as the even the COVID inquiries to demonstrate this to extent. Just finally, of all of the strongmen leaders around the world, Bolsonaro is consistently the most sickly. He seems to always have oxygen tubes up his nose. Yeah. Uh, what's going on with Bolsonaro's health, and does it have an impact politically? I mean, uh, there's a number of a number of uh, things, uh, theories related to this, and uh, I'm going into the territory that's mostly speculative at this point. But uh, remember, of course, famously in 2018, he was stabbed while at uh, a campaign rally in Minas Gerais uh, by some uh, lunatic with a knife. And uh, so what that meant is that he was in hospital and could avoid the public debates with other candidates where he would be exposed for his... Uh, truculence and 
and uh, simplistic views about the world and ways of expressing himself. He's a very sort of simplistic, he, he's a very crude expressor. He seems to speak only in swear words and slurs. So that gave him an advantage and also, you know, he could play the victim card. I was nearly killed by a former member of one of the Brazil socialist parties, which wasn't a member at the time. Anyway. So there's some speculation that he's been playing up his sickliness as a, as a victim of the stabbing, as an electoral stunt for support. The other theories is that he's actually had a number of other medical issues besides uh, being stabbed that have kept him very sickly. All I know is that his man seems to spend more time in hospital than not. And what sort of person gets a literal in hiccups, chronic hiccups, because they are just so full of a uh, smelly brown stuff? Well, Ben, let's leave it there. Thanks so much for joining us. If people want to find you online, you're on Twitter, at Benjamin Fogel. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Global Intifada is up next. I'll catch you next week. Rapaz, hoje a situação tá tensa. Sinto um gosto de violência. Esse cara tá com nada, sabe pouco do que diz. Muito blá 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 que queima quem podia ser feliz Diz respeito ao que prega, então é o que colherá Jogo o futurinho em cima para o fim embelezar Jogo o futurinho em cima para o fim embelezar Esse cara é escroto Muito escroto
bate bem Bolso dele sempre cheio, bolso nada que pariu Bolso dele sempre cheio, bolso nada que pariu Bolso dele sempre cheio, bolso nada que pariu cheio, bolso nada sempre cheio, bolso nada que cheio, bolso Female-identifying artists aged 18 to 35 are invited to enter the Ellen Jose Art Award, a $15,000 non-acquisitive award. Ellen Jose was a pioneer in Australia's urban Indigenous art movement and a radical activist and social justice campaigner. The award is given in the hope that it will support the winning artist's continued development by providing recognition as well as a financial boost. All six finalists will receive an artist fee and have the opportunity for their work to be professionally presented in an exhibition with an accompanying publication. The award is a partnership between the Ellen Jose Memorial Foundation and Bayside City Council. Entries are now open and close on Friday the 27th of August. Head to bayside.vic.gov.au and search for the Ellen Jose Art Award for all the details. A 3CR supporter. Love comes your way. What can I say? You feel the hell. You change your way. armed states are talking big and spending up with no intention to disarm. The Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons provides a pathway out of this mess, and it's up to us to get our government on board. Tune in to ICANN's Banned School to learn more and be part of History in the Making. It's five online sessions from June to September. Check it out and enroll at icanw.org.au forward slash band school. That's icanw.org.au forward slash band school. The international campaign to abolish nuclear weapons is a 3CR supporter. Oh, oh, oh.